So today as we look in Acts chapter 6, we start in verse 8, and it says there that Stephen was full of faith and power, and he did great wonders and signs among the people. Notice what they say about Stephen. He was full of faith and power. He wasn't full of himself. He wasn't full of fear. He wasn't full of uncertainty. He wasn't full of worldly pursuits. He wasn't all about himself. He was full of faith. He had ultimate confidence in God. He was a man who had been changed, and now he was full of faith. He knew his sins had been forgiven. He knew he has now been accepted. He knew he had been given the gift of righteousness. He knew he had been filled with the Spirit of God, and he is full of great confidence. And wherever he walks, he walks in this confidence. Now, let's just be clear. It's not arrogance. It's not pride. It's not boasting. But it is confidence. I know my God, and he knows me, and he's called me for a purpose, and I'm going to walk in that. I'm not going to let resistance from what is the largest religious group on the planet stop me. He's ready to speak. He's ready to act, and he is so full of great faith and power. This verse tells us that he's doing many wonders and signs. Now, again, let's just be clear. This is not Stephen himself doing them. It's the Spirit of God through him. It is Stephen He is the one walking and talking. He is the one meeting and greeting. He is the one going out and seeing people's lives changed. He is the one that God is using to see those who have been addicts to be set free, to those whose marriages have been torn apart to be reconciled, to those who have been bought up and caught up in legalism to see their lives changed completely. It's because Stephen is surrendered to it, and he's full of the Holy Spirit, and he's full of faith, and he's full of power. And God's doing great things through him. It's Stephen. He's got great power. The thing about us as believers, whenever you get to that place of great fullness of faith and confidence and you're ready to act and you want to have action in your life, action attracts reaction. The minute you choose to stand for Jesus Christ, a target goes on you. And there will be those who will try to stop you from what God has started in you. We go on in verse 9. It says this. Then there arose some from what is called the synagogue of the freedmen disputing with Stephen. The synagogue was a place of worship for the Jewish community. And the synagogue of the freedmen were some of those who had been Jewish slaves in Rome who had been set free, and they joined together to form their own group, their own church, if you will, like. It's a synagogue where they've gathered, and Stephen has this message that is so counter to all that the Jewish people are holding to. They hold to the fact that the temple is the central place on the planet to meet with God and have your sins atoned for. They hold to the the idea that the the high priest is the only one who can go before God on your behalf. They hold to the fact that there must be sacrifices made for your sins. And here Stephen comes with a message that says, Jesus Christ has come. He is the Lamb of God who has paid for man's sin once and for all. Stephen comes with a message and says, we now have been made the temple of God. His spirit dwells in us. 
Stephen comes with a message that says, Jesus has entered into the throne room and purchased our lives, paid for our sins, and opened heaven so that we might enter in by faith into the Holy of Holies. There's no longer the need for the Jewish system. It was merely a picture of the one who was to come. And so when you become that voice, when you become that mouthpiece to a culture that holds to their traditions, that holds to the temple, that holds to their law, when you begin to speak this message, oh, they're not going to be too happy with you. Anytime you begin to speak out the good news of Jesus Christ, this world is going to react to you. This world is not our home, in case you haven't noticed. This world is not friendly to the cause of Jesus Christ. The system of this planet is not friendly to us. And you and I were never called to be camouflaged into it. We were never to hide in it. We were to stand out in it. Stephen is doing that. Stephen is full of faith. He's full of power, doing great signs and wonders, and he's gaining some attention negative attention. Our first big point for the day is this, fresh start courage that steps out always attracts resistance. When you choose on the job, in your home, in your community, with family, maybe with your friends, when you choose to stand up, when you choose to speak out, when you choose to set aside and no longer do what you've done and no longer do what everybody else is doing, you will stand out and you will attract some resistance. But that is what you and I are called to be. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You can't hide that. Let me just uh, show you something. We all have uh, phones with flashlights, This flashlight is on my phone. It's kind of bright. Hunter, let's hit the lights for just a moment. Now how bright is this? It's very bright. Kind of hurts your eyes a little bit if I come stick it right in your face, right? Stand out just a little bit, don't I? It's pretty obvious to see where I am in the room. I can't see where you are necessarily. I can make out silhouettes, but you don't have any question about where I am because my light is shining, amen? And when you choose to stand up for Jesus Christ, when you choose to say, I'm going to love like Jesus, I'm going to forgive like Jesus, I'm going to act like Jesus, I'm going to live righteously like Jesus, I'm going to live humble like Jesus, when you choose to do that, you will stand out. You will become a target because everybody sees where you are. Amen? There's no question where I am. Light in the darkness attracts that. Thank you very much, Hunter. When you begin to be attractive to God, you'll create reaction from the world. And Stephen's facing that. Stephen's unafraid to speak out. Verse 10 goes on. It says that as he speaks, they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Stephen is thrust before Jewish leaders 
and he begins to speak, he knows he's in a very vulnerable spot. He knows he's in a place that could really cost him if he says the wrong thing. But he doesn't worry about being politically correct anymore. He says, I've done that before. I've played that game before. I've watched it happen too many times. I'm standing up and I'm speaking for Jesus Christ right now. And he speaks with such power and faith and wisdom that this verse tells us that those who heard him, these Jewish leaders, that they weren't able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Stephen is emptied of himself and he's speaking confidently and people are hearing him. And they want to refute. They want to argue. They want to debate. And they don't know what to say. He's so wise in his presentation. He's so careful in his wording. He's so full of faith in the Spirit of God that, that they don't know what to do. They just, they hear it and it, it resonates within them, but they don't like it. Look what happens. When you talk to people and they don't like what you have to say, verse 11, then they secretly induced men to say, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. They couldn't come up with enough on their own about Stephen, so they secretly went out and got some folks and said, hey, I'm going to pay you to go to this rally, and I want you to speak out against Stephen, and here's what I want you to say. They gave him the script. Whether they believed it or not, they went and they spoke against Stephen. You see it. It's there. They secretly induced men. They went out and got an audience and brought them in and began to accuse Stephen. That's what the enemy loves to do. Take pieces of truth, exaggerate them, and accuse with them. So here's their accusation. We've heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. He is just railing against all that we believe. Blasphemous words, they say. Verse 13. It says, they also set up false witnesses who said, this man does not, seek, does not cease to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. This guy, Stephen, he keeps talking about our law. He keeps putting it down. He keeps talking negatively about our God. He keeps talking negatively about the temple, this holy place. He goes on. Verse 14, it says, For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs which Moses delivered to us. Were they speaking truth? Yeah. Part of it was true. Jesus had come to be the end of the law. Jesus had come to be the fulfillment of the law. Jesus had come to enter into the temple in heaven and pay for man's sins once and for all there would no longer be the need for the temple as they knew it, the high priest as they knew it, the law as they knew it. And they were taking Stephen's words and twisting them. That's what deceivers do. They twist your words. They take what you said, hear what they want, twist what they can, and use it against you. You ever had that happen to you? You start speaking out, and you're pretty certain you know exactly what you've said, what you've done. You did it with full, clear conscience before God. 
A little bit of time passed, and word gets back to you, and someone says, do you know what they're saying about you? They said you said this. You say, that's not what I said. Well, that's what they all think. You think, oh, boy, maybe I said the wrong thing. And you start getting to this self-doubt moment right there. When it comes to walking in faith, we're not called to walk in self-doubt. We're called to walk as more than conquerors. We're called to walk in being invincible. And Stephen, in this moment, he hears all the talk. He's one guy against a multitude. He's standing there alone having to face all of this. False accusations coming against him. Threats made to him. His words twisted. Everything he said has been twisted and used against him. And now, if he even tries to speak and defend himself, it's useless. They're going to just twist those words and say, oh yeah, see, this is what... And on and on it goes. But Stephen is a wise man. And Stephen just stands there. He stands there calm. And he stands there confident that God is with him. God is for him. And he is speaking on behalf of God. He's confident in it. So confident. Look what happens next. Verse 15. And all who sat in the council looking steadfastly at him, saw his face as the face of an angel. Wow. You don't get this picture that Stephen is pitching a fit. He's not jumping up and down. He's not saying, how could you? He's not saying, I demand my rights. He's not lashing out at them. He is just filled with confidence, standing in truth in who he is in Jesus Christ. And when they look Scripture says they looked at him like he was an angel. They recognized there's something different about this man. We're trying to rattle him. We're trying to throw him off course. We're trying to make him cave in, and he's not. He looks like a warrior-class angel just standing there. He's confident. He's certain. You see, that's what an angel was in Scripture. It wasn't these floaty little baby things, you know, with little bitty angels, I mean, little bitty wings. Or, no, that's not an angel. An angel was a warrior-class servant of God. They were massive. They were strong. That's why when people saw them, they fell down at, at their feet, terrified. And they look and they see Stephen. He's not budging. He's not giving in. Not losing his cool. Our next big truth is this fresh start courage faces resistance with confidence, with such certainty that you don't cave, you don't walk away, you don't get fearful, you don't get rattled. I've gotten to watch a fair amount of high school sports in the last few years. And uh, one of the things that uh, home team loves to do, whether you're the home team or you're at someone else's school and they're the home team, is try to rattle the other team, right? You know what I'm talking about? So the cheers are kicking in, the music's kicking in, the players are talking, all this stuff's going on in an attempt to just rattle the other team. If you could just shake their confidence a little bit, you gain an edge over them. As the people of God, we are to be rattle us. You can't rattle us. 
We're to have such faith and confidence that though we stand alone against a multitude, though we face accusations that are false, you don't rattle us. We stand confident. We know our God. We know what he's called us to. We know the truth, and we speak it. We don't move. As a dad, you stand unable to be rattled. As a mom, as a husband, as a wife, as a student in school, wherever you are, as an employee on the job, you don't just try to blend in. It's your goal to be what God's called you to be. And you stand there in it. You don't join them in their language. You don't join them in their habits. You don't join them in their activities. You stand for truth. And you don't get rattled. You stand against the resistance. This is where Stephen is. He's spoken out now. Target is on him. He's not rattled. He's confident. He's calm. He knows what God's called him to. There's a long passage there in Acts chapter 7, some 50 verses of the moment that Stephen says, all right, now I'm going to talk. If you read the whole context there, you see that there's a question asked of him. He's been quiet up to this point, but then a question is asked, and Stephen starts. And there's this 50-verse sermon, basically, this message that he delivers to these, this Jewish council that's sitting there. And he replays Jewish history. And he walks them all the way from the past all the way up to current time. And he's bringing them along and God's speaking through them. They're kind of in awe of this man who's facing all this accusation. And he's unstoppable. He's not rattled. He just speaks with confidence. And he's just delivering truth to them. Just boom, boom, boom. And it's just piercing with Every word, God's using it. And he comes forward all the way to the time where he says, your prophets have tried to cast out what God was doing. You tried to denounce the hand of God. And you killed those who brought truth to you. And you've even, you've even resisted the Holy One. And Stephen kind of draws near to the end of his message. And then he has this point in which he, he draws it up and he, he brings some application in verse 51. The second part, he says this. He says, and you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. So do you. Whoa. And it's this piercing moment where the Spirit of God is using Stephen's words. And he says, you guys... You've always resisted the Spirit of God when it's speaking to you. You've made excuses. You've pushed him off. You've let distractions come in. You've resisted. You've put up a front. You let your arrogance be up there. You've built a wall to protect yourself and your image, and you won't listen to the Holy Spirit. It's the same thing your fathers did, and you're doing the same thing right now. You keep resisting God's Spirit. He goes on in verse 52, and it says, And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers. He lays it right out there. He's not afraid. He's outnumbered, but he doesn't care. He stands strong. He stands confident because he knows he's invincible 
with God's spirit within him. I mean, he just, he just pokes him right there and says, you're the ones. You're the ones who killed Jesus, the just one. Wow. And what we see happens next is such a lesson. We've seen up to this point what happens when people receive the Spirit of God when it's working. We've talked even last week about being humble when the Spirit of God is speaking and quickly agreeing with the Spirit of God and being ready to be obedient to the Spirit of God. This is what you and I are called to. But these men who are hearing this, they have a practice of resisting. They have this practice of shutting it out. They have a practice of building up a defense. And so here's what happens next. Look at this. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. And they gnashed at him with their teeth. In the inner parts, they were cut. In the inner parts, they heard the truth. In the inner parts, God was speaking to them. And they had nothing to do except need to respond with admission and repentance. But instead, they went back to their resistant ways. And when they heard truth spoken to them, it angered them. Gnashing their teeth. Have you ever been so angry that you put your teeth together like this and you kept talking but your teeth weren't moving? You know what I'm talking about? You're just grinding your teeth. This is what's happening. These guys, they are so angry. They have built up this pattern of resisting. And when they hear this truth, they know there's nothing they can say against it. They've tried to shut it out. They've tried to bring in false witnesses to, to make him hush, but he won't. He just keeps speaking, and it just drives them mad. And they can't sit there any longer. Their teeth are grinding, and they are angry, and they are resisting, and they're ready to lunge at him. And before we go on, let's pick up the big truth here. Fresh start courage. No, 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 no. Let's stop. I'm getting ahead of myself. They gnashed at their teeth. Verse 55. But he, Stephen, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Wow. Stay with me. Watch this. Stephen, by himself, Jewish council, respected leaders in the community, angry at him, ready to lash out at him. Their teeth are grinding. They're so angry. But it says that Stephen, instead of seeing their faces, instead of seeing their countenance, it says that he was full of the Holy Spirit and he gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. Stephen is faced with reaction. The community, the biggest religious establishment on the planet is against him. And instead of seeing that, he lifts his eyes just a little bit further and he gazes right into heaven. 
And he's not filled with any uncertainty at that point. He's filled with great confidence because he sees the glory of God. And he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Come back to that in just a moment because the next verse says this, that Stephen said, he says something. He says, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Stephen is about to face pain. He's facing reaction. He's facing rejection and resistance. And Stephen doesn't see what they're putting on him. Instead, he sees something a little higher. He looks right past them and sees the glory of God. Let, let me just illustrate it this way for you. I need some, I need some helpers this morning. So, um, Ryan, you want to be a helper? Cool. So, why don't you stand right there and face the crowd? Uh, Nick, you want to help me here? You, you get to stand right here. You're going to be Stephen. You, you've got the easy part. So, Ryan, I always have a great part for you. So, Eli, you want to help me out this morning? All right. So, you go stand with, uh, with Ryan. And then I need someone else. Aaron, would you help me? I've got an easy part for you, too. So, Aaron, if you'll go up to the next level behind Ryan and Eli, and if you'll face Stephen. All right, Eli and Ryan. <laughs> you guys are the Jewish council. And you are angry at Stephen. He's come in with this message that just is undoing everything that you believe in. I mean, he, he is public enemy number one. If his message continues, everything that you believe in is going to be undone. So I want you to use your best angry gnashing of teeth pose at Stephen. All right? All right? All right? Don't, don't make him laugh, all right? We got we to gotta get a good angry pose here. Eli, come on, Eli, you can do this. All right. Angry, reactionary pose. Just hold it right here at Stephen. Ready? One, two, three, action. Okay. Wow. That's, that's what you got, right? That's all. No, you got more? Okay. Here we go. You're saving it? Well, this is it. This is your moment. There's nothing else to save for. There's no Academy Awards after this. This, this is it. There's no prequel that will involve you in it later. There's none of that. It's not Star Wars. All right, so, all right. I need two angry, I mean, I mean action. I mean, you're just, you're in this thing, okay? Ready? One, two, three, action. Yeah, nice. Okay, just hold it right there. Hold it. Eli's having a hard time holding it. There you go. Okay, hold it. Now, if you, yeah, keep holding it. If you had this in front of you and, and you're looking at this, if you didn't see anything else, it would be troublesome, right? If this is, this is all, <laughs> if this is all you got in front of you, you'd be worried. You'd be concerned. But what, but what Stephen does is he looks past this and he sees Jesus. Way to go, Aaron. You got the good part. You got the good part. Yes. What, what's all, y'all keep standing there, do your, do your thing. What's so great to me about this passage is 
When you read other passages about Jesus returning to heaven, Jesus being with the Father, every other passage of the New Testament says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. His work is finished. He has sat down. Sins have been paid for. The work is done. He is seated at the right hand, the place of authority, the place of power, the place of honor, the place of blessing. Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father. That's what you read. When I read this verse, Stephen says, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man, he's not sitting. He's standing. He's standing at the right hand of God. Something has caused Jesus to stand up. Something has caused him to get involved all of a sudden in the situation. He's not leaving his place of power, but he was sitting, and now, uh-oh, he's standing. You better watch it now. Jesus has stood up. You guys are in trouble. <laughs> Give him a hand. Good job. Good job, y'all. Thank you. This is why Stephen is not rattled, because he sees Jesus standing. Jesus' attention is up. Jesus is ready to do something. Some action's about to take place. You, you got his attention in a new way because you've chosen to trust him in a difficult time. You've chosen to speak out when it's going to cost you, and Jesus is standing now, and he's about to do something on your behalf. When you and I see Jesus there and you see him above every trial, every struggle, everything you're going through, when you see him there, then all of this stuff, no matter what it looks like, whether it's financial, whether it's health, whether it's marriage, whether it's in your community, it doesn't matter what it is, when you see Jesus there, this stuff pales in comparison. Amen? Amen. Big truth now. Fresh start courage opens your eyes to see Jesus over the resistance. Whatever it is you're going through, you, you turn your eyes away from the situation and you look up. You realize, wait a minute, I'm not a part of this world. I'm a part of the kingdom. Wait a minute, I, I'm, not, I'm not ruled by what this world says I'm ruled by. I'm ruled by the one who's the king of kings and lord of lords. Wait a minute. He's the one who is seated at the right hand of the Father. He's the one who's in authority. He's the one who has power. He's the one who's seated in the place of blessing. And where he is, there I am. So I'm in the place of authority. I'm in the place of power. I'm in the place of blessing. I'm invincible. Hello? Uh-oh, did, uh -oh, did it break down all of a sudden? Did I lose you? Are you wrestling with it? Let's go back. Where he is, there I am. This is how you get past the resistance. Stephen didn't just see Jesus. He saw himself in Jesus. He saw him in the place of favor, blessing, and honor, protection. And Stephen says, bring it on. You can't stop me. Whoever you are, whatever you're saying, 
however you want to twist my words, it doesn't matter. I look to my eyes, I see something different. I know you don't see it, but I see it, Stephen says. And it brings Stephen to a place where he's even unafraid to speak. Remember what it said in the verse? It said that Stephen said, look, I see heaven, heaven's open, and I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. To say that to the Jewish community at the time was certain murder for you. You were just saying, I see Jesus and God as one, and I see them together now. He didn't try to camo into the situation. He didn't try to cower out of the situation. He just spoke right up. Watch what happens next, verse 57. It says, Then they, the Jewish council, cried out with a loud voice. They can't take it any longer. They're screaming at the top of their lungs, and they stop their ears. Does this sound like a baby having a tantrum or something, a little child, you know, like, ah! That's what's happening here. They're screaming. They're covering their ears. And they ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. This is the reaction that Stephen got. And he had to have known it was going to happen. He had to have known he was going to face some resistance. But it didn't matter because of what he saw. It didn't matter because of what he knew. He was going to be invincible. Verse 58, as they're going out of the city, as they're picking up stones, as they're getting ready to stone him, it says, and the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. We haven't met this character before. It's the first time he's mentioned in Scripture. But oh, how powerful this moment you see, at this, at this moment, it's Saul, the Jewish, religious, perfect man who's fully given over to the law. And Stephen is there being carried out, and Saul, whom we have not met up to this point, is there almost like a spectator. He's watching this moment. Spoiler alert. Saul becomes the Apostle Paul, the most influential man in the New Testament, who writes the bulk of the New Testament and helps us decode doctrine. Our practice of faith today is based on Paul's words penned by the Holy Spirit. And it all starts here. Stephen is being drug out side of town and they take what he has, what Stephen has, and they lay it at the feet of Saul. Guess who's reading about Stephen today in a church in Ovilla? Us. You tell me who lived on. Stephen and the name of what he did or those Jewish leaders in the name of what they did. Who are we reading about today? What message lives on? Stephen's. What truth lives on? Stephen's. What kingdom lives on? The one that Stephen was a part of. His enemies couldn't stop him. The stoning couldn't silence him. 
Their anger couldn't stop him. Death itself couldn't hold him, and Satan couldn't destroy him. Even as it's all coming down to the very end, Stephen is completely surrendered to what Jesus has done in his life, and he's praying for them. And the message lives on. He was invincible. You see, we don't measure our worth and our invincibility by the amount of money we have, the amount of possessions we have, or even our life. A life that is laid down for the kingdom is invincible. A life that is lived for the kingdom is invincible. And Stephen lived that way with such boldness and confidence. He knew nothing was going to stop him. You can try to kill me, but my life is hidden in Christ. You, you can try to accuse me, but my identity is in Jesus Christ. You, you can try to steal from me, but my wealth is in Jesus Christ. You can try to attack me, but I see Jesus over and above you. I see him standing at the right hand of God for me, and I am invincible. Amen? You see, this is not just a great story in the New Testament. It is. But it's a story designed to give us truth and faith so that you and I would grow up in the faith to the point that we would say, wait a minute, what was true for Stephen is true for me. That's my Jesus standing there. He stood for him. He'll stand for me. He forgave him of his sins and called him his own. He'll do the same for me. He made me his own. He called me. And so you and I can now stand in that same invincibility if we'll stand in faith full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit, and full of power. And when you get to that place and you're walking fully surrendered, you, you too will say, it doesn't matter what the enemy does to me, I'll be invincible. It doesn't matter what you say about me, I know who I am and I'm invincible. No fear can stop me. No power of darkness can stop me. The enemy himself can't stop me. It doesn't matter what's out there. I can't be stopped because I'm in Jesus Christ, and it makes me invincible. Amen? Amen. Last big truth. Here we go. Fresh start courage gives you strength to do what you thought was impossible. You see, <clears throat> I'm sure Stephen probably thought, we've got to shut down these people. We've got to stop this message that, hates Jesus. And probably the last thing he thought he could ever do would be to forgive those who had hurt and killed other friends and Jesus himself. But because of what Stephen sees, it gives him such invincibility that he can't be stopped. And he ends up being able to do what he even thought was impossible. There might be some things in your life today that you think, oh, it just seems impossible for there to be reconciliation. It seems impossible that there could be freedom. It seems impossible that our country could be resurrected. It seems impossible that I can get past this struggle I'm going through. I don't know what it is for you, but you might be at that place. I'm going to tell you what, with God, all things are possible. 
And greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And all, all that is waiting to happen today is the church to rise up in faith and say, we are invincible. We have the kingdom on our side. We have the gospel truth in our heart and in our mouth. You can't stop us. We're not afraid of anything. We won't be stopped by anything. We won't be afraid of anything. We will move forward into all that God has called us to. That's what God is waiting for. A man, a woman, a teenager, a family, and a church who will stand with that kind of confidence. Here's how our response time is going to go today. A little different than we normally do. I have a sentence I want you to be thinking about on screen. Look at this. I have new courage today because God has ignited a fresh start in my what? I want you to think about this for just a moment. We've been in this series now six weeks. And God is doing some new things in our hearts. He's igniting some new hopes and some new confidences, and some new assurances. And he's drawing you in ways you haven't felt him draw you before. And some things are beginning to happen, and you, you sense it. You're not, you haven't seen the fulfillment of it yet, but you have a new confidence you've never had before. So in just a moment, I'm going to pray. Our band's going to come, and we're going to sing the first part of a song. And then we're going to take a break in the middle of this song. And then we're going to set a microphone right here. And I would ask you, if God has a word for you to fill in that blank with, you might say it's your future, your marriage, your relationships, your faith, your walk with God. I don't know what it is, but I would ask you, to come and say that. Fill in the blank right here. No need to elaborate. We're not going to mention any names. We're going to be succinct and tell the one thing that fits in this blank. And we'll go back to our seat. And we'll glorify God in this moment. Amen? There's power when we affirm and confirm that the Spirit of God is at work. It spreads a fire. Just as Stephen's actions started a fire, your confidence, your word of faith, God is at work in me, and he's ignited a fresh start in my what? You never know who's listening. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are here with us today that you have begun a good work in us. And you are filling us with faith. You're filling us with new courage. You're filling us with your spirit. And you're causing us to have hope in some areas we've not had in a long time or perhaps ever. You're beginning a fresh start, a fresh work. You're doing something new. Today, Father, we want this time to glorify you, but we want it to be an encouragement to everyone that's here so that we might know where you're at work, where you are changing lives, where you are bringing fresh 
starts. So, Father, during this time, speak to us. For those that you have to come and say the word that will fill in the blank for them, I pray you'll give them courage and power to do so, that you might be honored and glorified, your people might be edified in this time. We pray in the strong, and the powerful, the mighty, majestic, life-changing name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Would you stand? We're going to sing. I'll step back up and tell you when it's time to begin.